So this morning we're going to read from Mark, chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. From there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now that woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she said, since she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. He then said to her, For saying that you may go, the demons have left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So growing up, there was one common road trip that we took uh, numerous times during the year, uh, and that was to go to Grandma's house. Uh, we would go down to Gulf Shores, where my grandmother lived, and as we were growing up, I always thought to myself, we need a be bigger vehicle. And the reason I would say that is because me and my brother just could not coexist in that back seat. There were so many moments where my brother and I would look at each other, and, and let's be honest, I was perfect, so it was mostly Alex who was messing up. He would, he would go past, you know, the halfway mark, or he would, you know, he had to stretch out. And I said, there is a line, do not pass the line. And so we would just get in these big throwdowns, and, you know, as my parents loved to do, they'd turn around and say, don't make me stop this car. And then most of the time, they would, you know, still get mad at us because we didn't listen. But... For whatever reason, in my head, I always thought that, you know, we, we did not have vehicles that were big enough because I needed more space. I needed more space. I didn't need my brother hanging around me. I didn't need my brother uh, bothering me because a four-hour trip, is, it's a long time, right? It's a long tr time. Um, but yet, we made it, and, you know, 30 years later, me and my brother still are both alive, so we must have made it okay. Uh, but when we think about traveling, you know, we think about how it's a journey. It's a journey. And we're starting a sermon series uh, where we're talking about traveling with Jesus, where we're going on a journey with Christ because Christ in all of his ministry was a constant traveler. Jesus would go from town to town uh, interacting with so many different people. And Today, we see it, this moment where Jesus in his ministry, where he's been traveling, and he's worn down, he's tired, because he's been going through and, and uh, talking to so many people and performing all of these miracles and continuing to teach the ministry that God has put before him. And, and we just see how Jesus is tired in this moment. Because when this woman comes to uh, talk to Jesus, right, where this woman who uh, really 
we wonder, first off, how did she get to a, par, or to a place where she could actually be interacting with Jesus? Because in this time, she's a Seraphonician woman. So she's not a person from the, you know, the community of Israel. She's not one of what was perceived to be the chosen people. In this time, in this context, she's a woman, so she doesn't uh, get the same respect that a male would. And on top of those two things, she's got a daughter who's possessed by a demon, and I don't think many people wanted to be around such person, but in, in fear of that might happen to one of their family members. It might be contagious. So how is it that this woman who has so many uh, different reasons of why she should not be talking to Jesus, who is the, the king of kings, who is the miracle worker, but yet she made it. So that, that's the first thing. And, and, and when we see how she interacts with Jesus and we see how she says, Jesus, you know, I, I've got this daughter who is possessed by this demon. Will you please help her? Jesus' response is this where a little bit where we see uh, Jesus a little tired. We see Jesus uh, a little like kind of off his game maybe. He's like, no. Like, well, we got to feed the children first. We got to feed the children of Israel. Now, th- there are two uh, thought processes into why Jesus would answer in such a way. Because it, 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 when you first read it, whether this was the first time you heard this scripture or maybe you've read it in the past... It, it's kind of harsh, and it's harsh in a way that we don't normally see from Jesus, because Jesus normally, he'll do all of these different metaphors, but he's not harsh when he's like, no, I'm not going to help you, because that's basically what he's saying with this comment. And that's because either he's tired and we see Jesus' humanity right here. We see Jesus in this moment. He's so worn down from all the traveling, all the ministry that he's done. And he's just worn down. And so he hears, you know, this everywhere else that he goes where the Gentiles people are not uh, to the stature as the, the, the people of Israel should be because they are not the chosen ones. And so that could have been one of the reasons Jesus came out with this comment at first. But then it also could be that Jesus wanted to hear from this woman a little more. He, he wanted to, to make sure that she was coming before him with faith. Wanted to affirm that she truly does believe in who Christ is and that Christ is the Son of God. But nonetheless, whichever reason it was... It was kind of harsh. It was harsh because in that moment when we hear those words, Jesus just compared her to an animal, right? Just said, hey, no, we got to feed the children first. But then when Jesus sees her faith, when Jesus then is reoriented, uh, whether he was tired or whether it was a test Jesus then hears her when she says that the dogs, too, eat the crumbs from the children. Now, I I remember one of the first times that I preached uh, this particular scripture, and I sat here and I'm like, "I, 
I don't know what she's getting at. I have no idea. Because, I mean, traditionally, eating the crumbs, you know, that's kind of a, a, you know, crumbs aren't the best part of the meal. So why is it that this is what she says to Jesus in this moment? But the more we think and the more we, that I've read, when we hear her say this, when we hear the Seraphonician woman say, the crumbs, too, are eaten by the dogs. What she is trying to convey to Jesus and what she is trying to convey to all of those that who are around her and Christ and, and seeing this encounter and, and this exchange is that there are always more. That God's love is abundant. That God's love does not just stop at the children of Israel. That God's love does not just stop at that table, but rather it continues to run down to all of those who are around. That everyone continues to be fed by God. That God's love and God's grace, that it is abundant more than we can ever comprehend. So even in those moments where, you know, as she says, uh, the, the crumbs fall off of the table and the, the, the dogs eat that, they are still experiencing God's abundant love and grace and mercy. That just because she is a Gentile, a woman someone that has a family member possessed by a demon, that she too experiences God's abundant love and grace in her life. That God does not stop at the table. Rather, God continues to make sure that His love is felt and surrounded by each and every person. See, when we hear that, and when you think about our own lives, a lot of times uh, when we want to maybe travel or when we want to go and to do certain things, uh, certain events, experiences, we tend to uh, go towards the same people uh, each and every time. And, and, and there have been moments, and I know in my life, where... I'm out, uh, say I'm going to, you know, go and do an escape room or go to the movies. And, and for me, I want to get a group of people around to go with me and to experience that and to have fun with. And then I go and I invite the individuals that I want to. Um, there are people that I, I have been known to leave out, I, I will admit. There have been people that I, I have like, eh, you know, I, I might not have as much fun with them. Or, eh, you know, you know, they... Cliff's laughing because I leave him out all the time. <laughs> but when it comes to God's abundant love and, and the body of Christ and, and, and God's presence in the world, God does not do the same things that, that I do in that moment. God does not leave any individual out. Rather, God... Make sure that there is room for each and every person. 
that vehicle, that, that van or that, you know, uh, three-row three seat vehicle that I wanted my parents to have when I was younger, God, God has that and, and way more. God, make sure that, that every, everyone, make sure, he makes sure that everyone can fit and feel his abundant love and grace and mercy. And Jesus constantly reminds us of that through his ministry. Jesus constantly reminds us in the way in which he, he works in our lives today to remind us that we, ourselves, actually could be considered as, as the dogs under the table. That we are not necessarily worthy of God's love, of God's grace. I'm pretty sure in my uh, genealogy I would be a Gentile. But yet... I get to experience God's love. You get to experience God's love. And so for us to withhold God's love and not share that to the world, then we're not hearing what Jesus is saying. We're not hearing what this woman is conveying and showing her faith in Christ. One of the, the things that I, I love so dearly about the United Methodist Church is uh, our theology behind communion. Uh, one of the things that is most important when it comes to communion and, and comes to our theology behind it as United Methodists is that this table that we're going to come together around today, that this table is not just meant for, for me as a pastor, this table is not just meant for you who are members of this church. It's not just meant for people who are United Methodists. But that this table, that we acknowledge that this table before us is Christ's table. Christ gathered his disciples around that table. And when we look at each and every person who was around that table we see some people that maybe in our minds shouldn't have been there. We see someone who was going to give Jesus to the police for money and have Jesus arrested. We see people who were just fishermen before, But yet, they were around that table the night before Jesus gave himself up for us. I think that image, that image right there shows us God's abundant love and grace. And that table that the disciples came around is the same table that we have the opportunity to come around. 
no matter where we are in our faith and our knowledge of who God is in our life, no matter our past, no matter the moments that we have fallen short, no matter where we have come from, no matter what we look like, no matter how much money we make, this table, this table is open. God's love and grace is there for everyone. And for us who know and have experienced that love and that grace, that presence, for us to go and help others know that they too have a spot at the table. That they too have a seat in the van. That we all have the opportunity to go and to travel with Jesus. To travel with Jesus across borders. So that we can go and find others to come along the journey with us. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, Lord, we just come to you today grateful for the ways in which you continue to be present in the ways in which you continue to show us your love. And so we just thank you that your abundant love sees no boundaries, no borders, but that it is great enough for each and every one of us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.